Well, again, welcome to Big Valley Grace. We're in a, a summer series here where we're going through the book of 1 John together. John, who wrote this letter, was one of Jesus' closest friends. And if you have a Bible, you can turn to 1 John. Um, if you don't have a Bible, uh, most of the verses will be inside your program, or they'll come up on the jumbotrons, or they'll come up in the, on your computer screen uh, for those of you that are in our online gathering. Um, if you don't have a copy of the Word of God, if you don't own a copy of the Word of God, after our gathering is over with, you can go into the altar room here or over in the venue, and we would be more than happy to give you a, uh, God's Word. And we understand that this is a generation where some of you have never even seen it. And for some of us, that's crazy. I didn't grow up in a Christian home, but we had a Bible. And uh, we know that this is a generation where maybe you've never seen the Word of God, you don't own a copy of the Word of God, and we would love to give you one. Last night, the altar room was just unbelievably packed full of people. Some of them were getting Bibles, some were there for prayer and other reasons, but it was really fun to, um, gave me a lot of joy to see people walking out with um, the Bible. Last week, John gave us uh, three really great thoughts. They were really truths with a capital T. Number one, uh, John talked about the holiness of God, that God is holy. Look at 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. This is the message we have heard from Jesus and now declare to you, God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. And we talked about the holiness of God. There's nobody else like God. He's holy, he's pure, he's righteous. The second thing we looked at last week was that if you claim to have a relationship with God, this holy and righteous God, you can't be okay living an unholy life. In verse 6, John said, so we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, we have fellowship with this holy God, we're lying if we say we've entered into a relationship with him, we're lying if we say that the Holy Spirit now indwells us, but we go on living in spiritual darkness. We're not practicing the truth. And that makes some sense, doesn't it? When you understand how holy God is and how righteous God is, if you enter into a relationship with this holy and righteous God, it makes sense that you just couldn't go about your life in an unholy way. In fact, God tells us that because he's holy, he wants his people to be holy. And the third thing we looked at, praise the Lord, was this. When you do sin, Jesus is ready to forgive you. John said this in the second chapter, verse one, my dear children, I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. I'm writing this to you so that you would live a holy and righteous life. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins. And so the last thing we looked at last week is this. Yes, God is holy. Yes, God wants us to live a holy life. But the reality is um, we're stuck with these sinful bodies. We still have our Adamic nature, which means there's, there are going to be times when we sin. There will be times when we blow it. And at that moment, the good news is, is that Jesus is there to forgive us of our sins when we do blow. Now, today we're gonna look at uh, 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. And the first thing that John tells us is this. Number one, John says, don't, don't love the world and all that it offers. John says, don't, don't love the world and all that it offers. Look at verse 15. I got really super creative, okay? John says, do not love this world, <laughs> nor the things that it offers you. Do not love this world, nor all the things this world offers you. For when you love the world, when you're devoted to the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the 
world offers only craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. And these are not from the Father, but they're from this world. Beloved, one of the, the things that the Bible teaches, John himself teaches especially, is that we as Christians are to love. Over and over and over again, we're encouraged to love. In fact, there are many places where we are commanded as believers to love. But here's one of the rare places where God tells us not to love. We're not to love the world or the things that, that the world has to offer. Now, John isn't talking about the world that God created. He's not talking about the physical planet or things like that, like the Grand Canyon or the Pacific Ocean or Gerber Daisies or Blue Whales or Half Dome or you know, Lake Tahoe or whatever. God created the physical world and he, he wants us to in, enjoy it. You ought to admire all the things that God created. John is, is telling us not to love or be devoted to the world's systems, the the organized systems that exist within the physical world that God created. Why? Because all the world systems were created by sinful human beings. And now they're actually ran by sinful human beings, even those that might have been started by believers. See, a believer still has got their flesh to deal with. Believers still have to wrestle around with those kinds of, of things. Let me give an example of a few of the world systems. Number one would be like the government, okay? We as believers are not to fall in love or be devoted to the government. Now God wants us to obey the government, the, the, the laws that are established by the, the government as long as they don't contradict with what the Bible teaches. Listen to what uh, a little scenario that took place in Acts chapter five. It says, then they brought the apostles before the high council, where the high priest confronted the disciples. Didn't we tell you never again to teach in this man's name, he demanded? Instead, you, you filled all of Jerusalem with your teaching about him, about Jesus. You want to make us responsible for his death. But Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than any human authority. And that is a, a weighty truth that we as believers have to wrestle around with. You see, I have to obey the government. The, the government says, hey, you can only do, I don't know, whatever it is, 30 miles an hour out here on Tully Road. <laughs> now, I don't like that, and I, I, I don't always pull it off, <laughs> you know what I mean. Um, but I'm to obey that, okay? I'm to obey that law. That law doesn't come in conflict with anything in Scripture. But when the government comes up and makes a law that is indirect violation of the word of God, it's at that moment that God says, I trump the government. My law trumps the government's law. Beloved, a government is simply a man-made institution. Some of them are good, right? Some of them are bad, but none of them are perfect. None of them. And we as followers of Jesus must love none of them. None of them. We're not to be devoted to anything like that. You can see how the government here in America is becoming more and more and more an enemy of the cross, right? Obviously, the government started out with a bunch of really great people who loved God, loved his word, but... They were still sinful nonetheless, and they set up something pretty good. But over time, we've seen this worldly organization just get more and more and more away 
from the truth because it's set up by human beings, as good as those human beings might have been, you see. Now, I'm thankful for those that are involved in politics and the government and all of that. I'm thankful for Christian politicians. I'm thankful for Christians who work in governmental agencies. Thank the Lord for you that you would be salt and light in those places. And they need you. Keep being salt and light. But we all have to be very, very careful that we aren't more devoted to that, our government or whatever, than we are to the Lord. And that happens. Uh, Another world system would be like public education. (laughs) You can see how public education is becoming more and more and more an enemy of the cross, can't you? I have the, uh, uh, at our home, uh, uh, the original, it was the very first uh, textbook in our public schools. And because our government was started by good, godly people who believed in God, believed in his word, it started off as a fantastic, you know, uh, experiment, if you will. Man, the first book that our kids learned in public schools was really the Bible and all these Bible verses and Bible stories. It was unbelievable. (laughs) We've come a long way, haven't we? Thank the Lord for those of you that work in the public school system, those of you that are Christians and your teachers and your age, your custodians, your, your, your work in you know, uh, clerical jobs, your, your superintendents, your vice principals, all those things. Man, you, God needs good people everywhere who are salt and light. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. That's a... a Uh, a a worldly organization. It's a world system. And God, you know, says through John, don't be devoted to that. Be careful. Another world system would be, uh, I don't know, Planned Parenthood type values. You can see how Planned Parenthood has always been an enemy of anything godly, right? And recently, most of us have seen that video that surfaced of that doctor who just cavalierly is talking about taking, you know, livers and kidneys from these little babies and making sure that when she sucks them out into a sink, she doesn't, you know, damage those so they can be, you know, delivered to research centers or whatever. (laughs) How about social organizations like the Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts? Those are, not slowly, but they're just drifting away from the biblical principles that they may have been started on. Thank the Lord for those of you that are running troops, you know, you're a scout leader and all of those. God needs good people everywhere. I don't want you walking out of here thinking that we shouldn't be involved in those things. God wants us out there involved in those things. We just aren't to be devoted to them. Uh, global purposes, our, our, our culture's thoughts and opinions. Now, now, I know people that have become so involved in man's government or some social organization or a health club that, that they become more attached and faithful to them than they are to God and his church and, its, and the mission of, of salvation. You know, you you get involved in something, and the next thing you know, that's the thing that's taking all of your time. You're putting more of your energy, more of your resources, your money towards those things than you are God's church, the purpose of the the, the church. Philippians chapter 3 says, but we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we eagerly are waiting for him to return as our Savior. Look, this, this planet isn't our home. We're only visiting here. And yes, we have a government, and yes, we have all of these uh, um, uh, you know, human organizations, systems that are out there. But this isn't our home. James chapter 1 says, Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for the orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. And he's not talking about a Gerber daisy there. He's not talking about half dome. 
He's not talking about the world, the physical world that God has created. He's talking about the world's systems. Don't let the world's systems corrupt you. And so, a lot of people, you know, I don't know, they send their kids off to uh, one of those world systems that instead of telling them that they are a uniquely created human being made in the very image of God himself, that they are actually just a happenstance of two molecules bumping into each other a billion years ago. And so we got a whole generation of kids growing up, Christian kids, that don't believe what the Word of God says, they believe what their teachers and a world system has bombarded them with over and over and over and over and over again. See? And so, in a way, they've been, the world has corrupted them. That world system has corrupted them. Now I want to make sure that you understand this. John said this in 1 John chapter 5, and if God doesn't come back, we're going to get here in a few weeks. He said, we know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. You see that? The whole world, except for the United States. It doesn't say that, does it? world. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, the God of this age, and that's a little g, the God of this age, wow, Jesus himself said this in John chapter 12, the time for judging this world has come when Satan, the ruler of this world, will be cast out. This is some weighty, weighty things here. You're starting to get an idea of why we have to be careful not to love the world's systems. In Matthew chapter 4, Jesus is being tempted by the devil, and it says this in verse 8. Next, the devil took him, that's Jesus, to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and all of their glory. And I think he not only was showing them the kingdoms of that time, I think he was showing them the kingdoms that were to come. The United States of America being one of them. Now, I know for some of you, that's blasphemous because you really are devoted and you really do love this country almost more than you love Jesus. I'll give it all to you, he said, if you'll just kneel kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him, for the scripture says you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Now I want you to notice what Jesus didn't say. He didn't say, Satan, you don't have the authority to give me all the kingdoms of the world because they're not yours to give away. He didn't say that. The reason Jesus didn't say that was because for whatever reason, God has given that authority over to Satan. He's the God of this age. He's the ruler of the world. He's, he, he's kind of got the keys, if you will, right now to planet Earth. Now, God's going to take those keys back at some moment. But that's, a, that, that's, in, the, that's in the future. You see, Satan has the authority to give them all away because he controls them all. He empowers them all. And that includes the United States of America. And you can just see his handiwork all over this country. Now, I think he had a a long, uh, Satan took a long view. He's been around a long time, and he's very patient. I think he's very much aware of the sinful nature. I think he knew it was just a matter of time before his foothold would, would grab things just a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. 
All this to say that when John says that we're not to love the world, he's telling us about all the world systems because they're actually energized by the enemy. They're, they're, they're empowered by the enemy, the ruler of this world, you see. Colossians chapter one says, for he has, that's Jesus, has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. And as I've told you many times before, we may have been rescued from the kingdom of darkness, but Satan is still alive and well, right? Satan and his kingdom are still with us, which means we need to be very careful not to fall in love with the things that Satan energizes or that Satan empowers. You see, that makes sense. Peter said, watch out, stay alert, for your great enemy, the devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And, and, and one of the ways the enemy devours people is by getting them to be in love or be devoted to worldly things more than they're in love or devoted to the things of God. See, He's not talking about, you know, Satan's actually gonna come and just, you know, and eat you. Physically, he's not talking about that. There are ways that the enemy comes and will devour you, and one of those ways is when we become way more devoted or we love these world systems more than we really love the Lord. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 10, if you love your father or your mother more than you love me, then you're not worthy of being mine. If you love your son or your daughter more than me, you aren't worthy of being mine. In other words, Jesus is saying, I'm not gonna be number two. He wants us to love our parents. Obviously, the fifth greatest commandment is to honor our moms and dads. What he's saying there is, is look, if you love your mommy and your daddy more than you love me, that ain't gonna work. If you love your children more than you love me, not gonna work. I'm to be number one. And I think that would hold true with some of the organizations and the things that we find in the, uh, out in the world today. We all have to be very, very, very careful. Be involved, be engaged, get out there, be salt and light. Just don't fall in love with those organizations and what they stand for and all of that. You fall in love with Jesus and what he stands for. Make sure you keep those lines clear, see. Now in verse 17, John reminds us of an important truth with a capital T. He said, and this world <laughs> is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. Beloved, everything the world offers is only temporary. It doesn't last. But when you truly love God more than anything else, it comes with something that will last forever and that's eternal life. All the world systems that are out there, you know what, they're all gonna be gone. I don't care how great the organization is. They're gonna go, they're gonna be gone, all gonna go. All the stuff your flesh craves, all the things your eyes see and want, all your great achievements and the things that you've accomplished, poof, poof, gone. But if you truly know Christ, you will live forever and ever and ever with him in his kingdom. Now I want you to notice what John says love for God looks like. He says, but anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. Isn't that interesting? You see, true love for God always results in action. In other words, if you truly love God, it'll show up in how you choose to live. And this takes us back to last week. So, so we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but we go on living in spiritual darkness. We're just not practicing the truth. Now I wanna make sure you understand this, especially those of you that are new in the Lord, or maybe you don't know the Lord. You're saved simply by putting your trust or your faith or surrendering your life over to Jesus Christ. And you say, I understand who you are, you're God and I'm not, and I receive you into my life. 
And you're the king, which means I'm one of your subjects, and so I, I'm, I'm going to obey you. That's how you're saved. That's it. You're not saved because you do a lot of good things. But here's the deal. If you really do know the Lord, if you have really surrendered your life over to Christ, it's going to make a difference in how you live. It has to. If, if I stood up here and said, hey, folks, Oh, I had the neatest experience. I was uh, at one of our nuclear power plants um, just about an hour ago, and uh, all the reactor rods all came up, and I was in the middle of all this radiation. It was fantastic. It was really cool. Man, I glowed for a little while. And I stood here. You would all go, wait a minute. It's impossible for you to have been exposed to radiation and be here. You'd be dead, or you'd have boils all over you, or whatever. It would be impossible for me to have been exposed to all that radiation and stand here and have no symptoms. It's impossible for you to have truly received the greatest reactor in history, Jesus Christ, into your life and not have some sort of outward um, you know, manifestation. Something's going to happen. It has to. See? Now, as I shared with you, we're not going to live a, a perfect life. None of us can. We can't do it. Praise the Lord for Jesus Christ who cleanses us. He's continuously cleansing us of our sin. It's unbelievable. That's why we're singing songs to him. That's why we're giving our gifts and our offerings to him. It's why we, everything we do is about him. We're just lost without him. So the first thing that John tells us is don't, don't love or don't be devoted to the world and all that it has to offer. Number two, it comes back to a familiar theme, but I've added something here. He says, be careful of false believers and false teachers. Look at verse 18. Dear children, the last hour is here. You have heard that the Antichrist is coming, and already many such Antichrists have appeared. From this we know that the last hour has come. These people left our churches, but they never really belonged to us. Otherwise, they would have stayed with us. They left it, which proved that they didn't belong to us. But you are not like that, for the Holy One has given you his spirit, and all of you know the truth. So I'm writing to you not because you don't know the truth, but because you know the difference between truth and lies. And who is a liar? Well, anyone who says that Jesus is not the Christ, anyone who denies the Father and the Son is the Antichrist, anyone who denies the Son doesn't have the Father either. But anyone who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Now, I want you to look at verse 18, just, just real quick, okay? You have heard that the Antichrist is coming, and let me make a quick comment about that. I believe that this is referring to an actual person that is yet to arrive on the scene. In other words, John is telling us that sometime in the future there will be a man who will come who will be the Antichrist, He's the, the, the final coming, you know, world leader, and he's actually empowered or energized by Satan. In fact, I'm of the belief that this coming Antichrist is actually possessed by Satan. And let me tell you what that means. Satan is not omnipresent. He can't be everywhere at one time like, like Jesus, like God can. Satan can only be one place at one time. That's it. And the chances that Satan himself is actually at your house bugging you here in a podunk city called Modesto, California is probably slim. He's probably got bigger fish that he can bother than, than you or me. He can only be one place at one time. I think that when the Antichrist shows up, he's actually possessed by Satan. Satan's actually in his body, actually energizing him, you see. But that's a future moment. That's why he is called the Antichrist. Now I want you to look at that next phrase, okay? Dear children, the last hour is here. You have heard that the Antichrist is coming. And already many such Antichrists have appeared. 
Look, I don't know when the Antichrist will come, but I do know that there are many Antichrists out there right now. And what an Antichrist is, is this. See if you can follow this. Antichrist. How's that? Don't need to go home and get a dictionary. You just know the Antichrist is, they're Antichrists. They're false teachers. They're false believers. That's what they are. Now, there's coming a day when there's going to be the Antichrist. But there's a lot of, you know, mini-me Antichrist running around, okay? Glad some of you know the movie. <laughs> Look, there are so many Antichrists out there today, and with television and the Internet and all that, it's just easy to go online and just see them, watch them. Let me take you back uh, two weeks or remind you of a few things that we talked about. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus said you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. It's the only way you're going to get into to, to heaven. The highway to hell, it's broad and its gate is wide for, many, uh, for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life, the gateway to eternal life, the gateway to the Father is just narrow and the road is difficult and only a few people will ever uh, find it. And here's, here, here's the, the thought here, folks. I'm standing up here uh, giving it all I got. Last night, I'm giving it all I got. Next hour, I'm going to give it all I got. And I'm doing my best as one of God's spokesmen, if you were, to point it to the narrow gate. I, I'm trying the best I can to say, folks, there's the narrow way. That leads to life. He's, Jesus is the way. You need to give your life to Christ. And I'm giving it all I got. And I know some of you go home and go, that guy's lame. I get it. But I'm giving it all I got. My wife will tell you, I go home and I'm exhausted by the time I get home because I'm, I'm giving it all the juice I got. I'm not physically exhausted. I'm not putting a roof on the place. I'm not laying cement. I'm not building things. But emotionally, spiritually, I'm doing all that I can to tell you about the narrow road. And you know what? You, in your neighborhoods, in your families, at your job sites, you're doing the same thing. You're trying your best to be salt and light. You're trying to tell people about the narrow road. But there's the enemy. And he's got shiny things. So, so here you got the, here's the narrow road, here's the wide road. And here's the enemy over here going, no, 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 no. Come this way. Don't, don't go down that road. You don't need to go down that road. Come this way. This road's a blast. This road's fantastic. In fact, look what Jesus says. Beware of the false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but they're really vicious wolves. Hey, come over here, and they'll talk about Jesus. Jesus is love. He's love. He loves you. God is love. Come here. If you go that way, they're going to throw this whole thing at you. They're, they're going to make you live this whole thing out. They're going to talk about sin and judgment. No, 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 come this way. And so what happens is, the flesh is a powerful thing. You mean I can do whatever I, I want? Yeah. Because God just loves me, right? Yeah. And the flesh goes, man, I'll, I'll take that road any day of the week. That's the road I want. Why would I want to go down that road? I, I like the God is love thing. I like the Jesus is love thing. That's the one I like. And then I can just kind of do whatever I want. Jesus goes on and says, not everybody who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of the Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, there's going to be many who say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we tell people that God is love, that Jesus is love? Didn't we do all that? And we cast out demons in your name? We brought tennis shoes for kids. We did a lot of really religious things. We did some things, God. But I will reply, I never knew you. And that word knew is an interesting word. Obviously, God knows everybody. He created everybody. He made everybody when, when they were in their womb, so he knows people in that regard. But that word knew is a very intimate word. It's a personal word. You've, you've never surrendered your life truly to me. 
You were more interested in your flesh. You were more interested in doing what you wanted to do, really. You never really gave your life over to me. Oh, you brought some tennis shoes and that was cool. Yeah, you put some money in an offering and that was fantastic. But we never had a relationship with each other. And he says this, get away from me, you who break God's laws. You just allowed your flesh to be the guidepost to your life instead of my laws, instead of me. You weren't interested in living a holy life. You were interested in living a life that just honored you. In Revelation chapter 2, Jesus talked about a church, a real church that was experiencing persecution from, from, from an evil church. And I want you to listen to how Jesus describes the church. He says, write this letter to the angel of the church at Smyrna. That was a real church. This message is from the one who is first and last, the one who is dead and alive. So obviously, this is a letter from Jesus to this church. I know about your sufferings and your poverty, but you are rich. I know the blasphemy of those opposing you. They say they're Jews, but they're not because their synagogue actually belongs to Satan. <laughs> That's just brutal. Beloved, not every church is a biblical church. There are synagogues or churches that are under the power or the control or the... Uh, the, uh, they're, they're energized by the evil one. They have buildings like this one. They have pulpits like this one. They sing songs like we do. They have Bibles like we do. They preach messages that sound a lot like mine. But they're simply wolves dressed up to look like sheep. They're being led, used to, to lead people away from the one true living faith. Jude chapter 3 says this, dear friends, I have been eagerly planning to write to you about the salvation we all share. But now I find that I must write about something else, urging you to defend the faith that God has entrusted once and for all to God's holy people. Well, what is that? I say this because some ungodly people, some wolves that were dressed up like sheep, sheep, have wormed their way into your churches saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. That was written 2,000 years ago. It sounds like the church today, doesn't it? You can live any way you want. Doesn't matter. Two guys, two gals. It doesn't matter. You're free to live however you want to live. That's the wide road. Come this way. Hey, it doesn't matter whether you're married or not. You want to live with your boyfriend? Live with them. You want to live with your girlfriend? Live with them. Who cares whether you're married or not? Enjoy sex, right? I mean, God's the one who gave it to us. Unbelievable how something that was written 2,000 years ago is applicable to us today. And we all, there are, there are preachers in this town who this morning, right now, they're working really hard to get people down the narrow road or the wide road. Really hard. It's okay. As long, you know, hey, God loves you. God loves you. God is love. Jesus loves you. Shouldn't we just love? And who, who, who are we to tell you who you can love? This is a church that will tell you Jesus loves you and you're free to love whoever you want to love. Happening right now. Right now in our city. They're in every city. We got churches that have gay pastors. We got denominations that have gay leaders, gay priests. They're, they're out there. And they're doing all that they can to get people onto this wide road. And you know what? Jesus said, that road is packed. On the narrow road, few get on that road because you know what? Our flesh is a powerful thing. Look at what John said in verse 26. I'm writing these things to warn you about those who want to lead you astray. 
There are churches and denominations and pastors that are out there that want to lead you astray. But you also have friends that have way more influence on your life than, than I do. You hang out with them. You work with them. And they're jabbered in your ear all the time, aren't they? Well, I'm a Christian. I just, I just don't agree with that Rick Countryman. I think I, you know, I don't know. He, he, he's just a hater. And what's the big deal? Two people love each other. Doesn't matter, does it? And you hear that. And what John's saying is you gotta be careful, Christian. You gotta be careful. Let me, let, me, let me do this, and I don't have really time, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it anyway. Let me share with you how the really, really good false teachers work. Let me, let me give you their modus of operandi. It's not what they say or teach that's necessarily wrong or evil or unbiblical. It's what they don't say. It's not what they say. It's what they don't say. Oh, they'll say things like, man, Jesus loves you. Jesus cares about you. God is love. These are all true. They're all theologically true statements. God cares deeply about you. You know that Jesus died on the cross for you. Hey, Jesus rose from the grave for you. You know, he really does care about you. And you know, we, we're a church that cares. Those are all true. But it's what they don't say. They don't talk about sin. They don't talk about hell. They don't talk about judgment. They don't talk about obedience. Those are the things that they leave out. You see, God is love. Jesus is love. There's no doubt about it. But that isn't all that God is, and it's not all that Jesus is. Now, no one likes to talk about God's love more than me. You can come here probably one weekend, and I'll give you a great message about God's love, and you'll be all encouraged, and we'll all go, wow, it was great to leave. But usually, if you come twice, I'm going to talk about sin. I'm going to talk about repenting of your sin. I'm going to talk about judgment. I'm going to talk about those things. I'm going to talk about obedience to the word of God. You're going to hear those things from me. In fact, uh, whenever Easter and Christmas comes around, it's always, I like it. I know some of you hate it, but um, uh, I'll get letters like this. Man, I brought my friend to Christmas. And, and man, you talked about sin, death, and hell. And for me, that's a badge of honor, because that's right. I got all these lost souls in the room. I want them to know the bad news, because if they don't know the bad news, then the good news really doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And so, those of you that have been around a while, always going to start in the garden, aren't I? What God wanted, what God longed for. And I'm going to move to sin, and judgment, and hell, and then the good news, that God so loved us that he sent his son. But that just upset some of you. I would say don't come this Christmas. <laughs> I don't want to upset you. There's a, there's a lot of churches out there that'll just do real fun stuff, and I got no problem with that. I just know if I got a bunch of unsaved people in the room, I, I, gotta, I gotta give them kind of the whole story so that they get it that they understand why there had to be a Savior born or why the Savior had to walk out of the tomb or whatever, whatever the thing is. Just listen to some, of the, some preachers that are on TV and some of the books that have been written and some of these things, and just listen to their messages. They're nice, they're kind, they smile, they're always encouraging. And they'll talk about some truth but they never get around to sin and judgment and hell. Never. That's what makes them diabolical, in my opinion. Now, the third thing that John tells us is this. Stay faithful to the word of God. 
Look at verse 24. He says, so you must remain faithful to what you've been taught from the beginning. And if you do, you'll remain in fellowship with the Son and in the Father. And in this fellowship, we enjoy eternal life that he has promised us. Look, the teachings of the Bible, you know, they don't change with time. And a, and a true follower of Jesus must remain faithful to the word of God, every word of it. You can't get to the 21st century, 2015, and go, well, you know, it's 2015, so let's take this verse out, this one out. Oh, I don't like this one either. Whoop, that's gone. And then we just kind of end up with the ones we like. That, that's what you can't do. The gospel is a beautiful thing. And we need to stay faithful to it. I, I love uh, what Paul said in Romans chapter one, he says, for I'm not ashamed of the good news. I'm not ashamed of the message of the word of God. It is the power of God at work saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and then to us, all, us Gentiles. This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. Look, Christian, you don't need to be ashamed of this unbelievable message that in the beginning, God created it all. In the beginning, God created Adam and Eve. We were made in his image. God loved us and cared about us and wanted the best for us. But the Bible tells us that Adam and Eve sinned and that brought death into the world. It brought physical death and way more importantly, it brought spiritual death. And there was nothing we could do to, to fix the problem that sin brought. But God loved us and God cared about us because we were made in his image. And so the Old Testament tells us about a God who said, I'm going to send a Messiah. I'm going to send a Savior for you. And people in the Old Testament believed God. Someday the Messiah is coming. Someday the Savior is coming. And then you get to Matthew chapter 1. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born for you. And Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all tell us about this long-awaited moment when the Savior was born, and that Savior was Jesus. That Savior who was born in that little town grew up and lived a perfect life, a sinless life, because he was God in human form. And when he was about 30 years old, he started his public ministry. About three and a half years later, he goes to a cross voluntarily and he gives up his life for you, for me. They put him in a tomb and three days later he walks out of that tomb you know, proving who he said he was and that was the son of God. And anybody who would put their trust in Jesus, the long-awaited Messiah, the Savior, their sins would be forgiven their relationship with the Father would be restored and they would now have eternal life. Listen, you don't ever have to be ashamed of that story. That's one of the greatest, if not the greatest story ever. It transformed my life. It transformed your lives. You don't need to be ashamed of saying that I'm a follower of Christ and I believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. You don't ever have to be afraid of that or be ashamed of that. No. The world, because it's a, a worldly system, obviously is not real thrilled with that message today. You're, you know, this, this isn't, you know, 10 years ago. This isn't 20 years ago. Times are changing, but listen, you don't have to be ashamed of it. You don't have to. It's an unbelievable story. And it's been around since the beginning. Paul says, for a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires. That wide road, wow, it knows how to suck people in. And the enemy's made sure that there are, there are prophets and teachers and friends. Come on, come on. Come oh, you don't want to go that way. Come this way. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them what their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. 
Boy, we see that. And they've been around forever, but in the age we live in with the internet and, and TV and all that, we, we just see them all now. It's just easy to see all these false teachers that are out there. But they've been around forever. Well, everybody stand up. Over in the venue, I want you to stand up. And uh, I want to end by, by just saying these, these three things uh, out loud uh, together. Okay? So here we go. N number one, don't love the world and all it offers. Let's say that again. Here we go. Don't love the world and all it offers. Number two, be careful of false believers and false teachers. And number three, stay faithful to the Word of God. Now let me end with this, okay? Our altar rooms are open, and you, if you need prayer, I don't know, maybe your marriage is goofed up. Humble yourself. and Go say, hey, will you pray for me? And if you're here and maybe you're a teenager or maybe, you know, I don't know, your, your parents won't go in there because they're too prideful, you go in and say, pray for my parents. Their marriage is falling apart. Maybe, maybe you're a parent and you're watching your teenager go sideways or whatever. Go in and let us pray for you. Maybe your parents are just goofed up. Let us pray for your parents. Maybe, maybe there's a big business deal you're hoping to close this week. It's important. It's important that this deal closes. Go in there, let us pray with you over it. Maybe you're just confused about some things. Let, let us pray. Maybe you don't own a Bible. We'll give you one. The altar room is a place where you can go and interface with some of the pastors, elders, the spiritual leaders of our church. And, and remember this, folks. The, the, the text kind of takes us, I guess, where, where it takes us. But when you walk out of here, um, if you know Christ as your Savior, you're not going to live this, this faith out perfectly. You're not going to do that. And just remember that Jesus is there, and he loves you, and he cares about you. And he'll forgive you of your sin. When you do blow it, and you don't say things the way you ought to say it, and you don't do things the way you ought to do them, or whatever all that is, he hung on a cross for you, walked out of a tomb for you. And if we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Father, thanks, Lord, for our time here today. I, I just really have enjoyed the singing, the music. I've enjoyed looking at all these shoes and the generosity of our people. I just enjoy the fact that we can look at your word and we've worshiped you today. God, give us a great time of fellowship as we go get a coffee or go to prime time or whatever it is we're gonna do, Lord. God, um, may we stay close to you, Lord. May we love you above all things, be devoted to you above all things. And I pray this in your name and all of God's people said, amen. amen. Hey, Lord, Lord bless you.